Hi, I'm Chris Shaffrey, the president of the AANS, and I want to invite you to Boston for our annual meeting, which is going to be held on April 25th through 29th, 2020. The theme of the meeting is the world of neurosurgery. It's going to be an exciting, informative, compelling meeting, and I strongly encourage you all to attend. Welcome to the Neurosurgery Podcast. I'm Mike Wang, and I'm here with my co-host, Jake P. Colson. We are here to discuss all things neurosurgical. Hi, this is J.P. Colson, a resident in neurosurgery at Rush University. Please note that this is not a CME event, and the opinions and statements made in this podcast do not reflect those of any institution or professional organization. Now, let's get started. Okay, today I am joined by Damian Brusco, a fourth-year medical student at the University of Miami. Um, unfortunately, my co-host today, Dr. Mike Wang, will not be joining us. I think he's off inventing a robot somewhere. Um, so today is just going to be me and you, Damien. How are you doing? Welcome to the Neurosurgery Podcast. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, John Paul. Great. So like I said, Damien's a fourth-year medical student at the University of Miami. Uh, that's where we first met, worked, to, worked together while I was still a student there. And he is currently the president of the uh, University of Miami Neurosurgery Interest Group. Um, he has been for the past year. He's helping running that club uh, for the students at Miami. And so I thought he'd be a great guest for today's topic, which is how to get involved as a medical student when you're interested in neurosurgery. So Damien, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, how you came to this role at Miami, and I don't know, uh, what kind of things the club is doing for students uh, down at your school. Sure. Um, so I got involved in the club um, two years ago, um, just on the executive board, and then worked my way up through the positions, was vice president last year, and then became president this year um, in my fourth year. Uh, and so the club is really structured that you start from the bottom and, and work your way up towards the top and gain experience, um, not only with managing the club activities, but also with um, interacting with the residents, inter interacting with the faculty. Um, and so that by the time you're a you know, fourth-year student, um, you can be a resource for the younger students that are now uh, coming in to join the club. So take us back to when you were a younger student then, uh, first getting started with the neurosurgery department at Miami. Uh, I remember we met after you attended a lunchtime lecture given, uh, of all people, by Dr. Wang. Um, that was back when you were a first or second year, I think, in school. And so just tell us kind of what was your process getting involved with the department, um, what sparked your interest, and how did you start meeting people? Sure. So I got involved uh, with the Department of Neurosurgery in January of my first year of medical school. I made sure to get all the academics um, straightened out, make sure I had my study routines down for the fall semester. Um, and then made sure that I was ready to hit the ground running in terms of research um, now, for the spring. Now, that's pretty early. Did you come into medical school knowing you wanted to do neurosurgery? Yeah, pretty much from fairly early on in undergrad, actually. I had, uh, you know, had pretty much decided that I was going to be going into neurosurgery. Okay. So then you had that goal in mind. In what ways did you get organized and start meeting people in the, in the department? 
Um, so the first person I actually contacted, and I had some experience um, as an undergraduate student down there in Miami as well, was with Dr. Uh, Rick Komatar. Um, he was always, you know, incredibly happy and, and um, sought out students to come shadow him, get on research projects. Uh, and so I sent him an email, um, and he was incredibly happy to reply, responded to me very quickly, and, and set me up with one of the residents. Um, and then from there, started working with one of the residents. He said, hey, I've got a couple of projects. Which one are you interested in? Uh, and hopped on one. Um, and my role at that time was really just data collection. But that's really the only skill I had, and even that I you know, was just learning the basics of. Um, so really kind of start small and then work your way up. So Dr. Komatar, of course, the program director down at Miami, um, I think he's still the faculty advisor for the club as well, right? Correct, yeah. He's been definitely a, a big part of our growth in the last several years, certainly in the time that I've been there, um, and for the growth of our program as well. So yeah, very fortunate to identify a mentor early. Um, someone who can help you not only get started learning uh, how to conduct research, but maybe serves an uh, introduction to other people in, in the department. Um, so maybe you could talk about your process getting to know the other residents, meeting some of the other attendings in the department as well. Just, you know, you're a new medical student, you don't know anyone, and these are all the people you need to meet to set yourself up for success on your clinical rotations, um, eventually asking for letters way down the line. You're a brand new medical student. You don't know anyone. How, how do you start that process? Yeah, so I mean, I think identifying a neurosurgical mentor early was, you know, I think is critical and was certainly, you know, instrumental in, in the opportunities that I've been um, afforded over the years. Um, and so I think the best way to go about it, uh, you know, is just to kind of get involved, um, whether it's through the, the student interest group like we have, and then also um, just going in and shadowing. If you're interested in neurosurgery or even just considering neurosurgery, um, we always encourage students to just get into the operating room. That's where you meet the residents, you meet the attendings. Um, and it can seem a little bit daunting, but as a first, second year student, you're you know, not expected to really know much other than be present and be interested. And the more interest you show, um, the residents will certainly pay attention to that and really, and really help you out. And a number of the residents there were you know, very helpful in just introducing me to people and you work on a research project with them, and then you do good work with them, and they say, oh, hey, by the way, Dr. So-and-so, you know, I've got this great medical student here, Damien, you know, like, and would introduce me to him. Um, and so I think that went a long way in just building connections um, over the course of my time. Yeah, the operating room is a great place to, uh, not just to get exposed to the work of neurosurgery, but as you said, meet, meet people at all levels, the residents, the attendings, and kind of see what they do from day to day. Um, so maybe you could tell us uh, a bit more about the formal structured activities that the club in Miami has. I know various medical schools may or may not have an organized neurosurgery club. Um, some of these may be affiliated with national organizations. So maybe for students at a place that don't have a club, you can kind of describe what you're doing at Miami right now. Maybe give them an idea for how they could establish something like that at their own program. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're, we're very fortunate here to have a, a you know, very um, solid foundation, organizational foundation um, for us. We've, you know, led by Dr. Komatar, and we have, you know, students every year that are constantly interested in, in keeping the club going and um, participating in our events. Uh, so we have two main annual events, the resident panel, which actually was just held about a week ago. It's always in December, uh, where we get as many residences as are available, and then Dr. Komatar loves to lead it, and we also get other attendings that are 
um, around and eager to help as well. Um, and we always have pizza or some sort of dinner for the, for the students as well as a little bit of an incentive. And then it's really just an open forum. Um, students can ask whatever questions they would like to the residents, to the faculty, just about the overall process, what it's like being a neurosurgeon, how to get involved. Um, and so it's a really great networking opportunity as well, so that afterwards the residents always stick around and, and um, are available to answer any other questions or for students to ask about any research projects they need help with. Um, then our spring event is Neurosurgery Night, and this is a somewhat similar event, more of a, a networking opportunity, and we also give an overview of the overall program, um, the, the, pre the president. Um, so this year will be me giving a talk um, just on the overview of how to get into neurosurgery, what some of the match statistics are for the senior uh, or for the third and fourth year um, students, and some more uh, tailored advice kind of related to sub-eyes um, for those third year students that are going to be hitting the uh, sub-eye trail and then going on interviews. So let's put you through your paces and maybe rehearse a little bit for that presentation you're going to give. Let's, let's break it down year by year. Um, shoot from the hip, some general advice. You're a brand new first year medical student. What are your goals for that year if you want to match in neurosurgery? How would you get involved? So I think first off, handle your academics. Make sure you have a great study routine and you're you, you know, starting to already excel in your classes. I think that's key. If you don't have the grades, you know, it's going to be a lot more difficult for you to match. Um, and then on, once you have that, you want to try and get in the OR shadow. If you're, you know, uh, still deciding between neurosurgery and maybe a couple other specialties, go and shadow them all, including neurosurgery, and really see which one you like. Um, and then research opportunities. Try and pick up one project. Um, try and develop the basics, data collection, and then go from there. Chances are that if you do, you know, really good work, you get the data collection done in a much faster time than a resident expects you to, more than likely they'll give you another project to do. And that's really how you start building your, um, building your, out your CV. Okay, so then keep going. Keep, keep telling us, I guess, what was your strategy as you ascended through medical school and, and just how would you generalize that for students at different levels? So I think then going into second year, this is where you can really begin to identify a mentor. You may have worked with a couple different attendings or have met some of them um, in your time shadowing as a first year. Um, and so you really want to pick one mentor and you know, try and learn as much as you can from them. Spend time in their clinic, spend time in the operating room, work on multiple research projects with them. And again, get in the OR and meet other attendings as well. That's where you'll pick up new projects. You'll kind of start developing some skills and just basic knowledge that'll you know, further benefit you. Um, and then going forward, third year is more of the same. Now at this point, you should hopefully be starting to write some papers and building the, the different skill sets that it takes to be you know, productive academically um, and start gearing up for thinking about where you want to go in your sub-eyes and what, what tier applicant you are. Um, something Dr. Komatar um, always does with the third year students is meets uh, with every single one of us in about January to look at our CVs, see what uh, caliber applicant we are, and that way we can tailor our uh, sub-eyes to see what um, where we'll be most successful. Okay, I, I remember when you were a second year student, you were already pretty involved, um, not just you know helping out with the club, but you were on a bunch of papers. We, we did some work together, but then it came time for your step studying season. So that can get a little awkward, you know, not just exams in school, but the big test, step one for everyone, the, the great equalizer. Um, how did you approach talking to maybe some of the residents, some of the attendings, with whom you had ongoing projects when you had to tell them, hey, you know, I have other things I have to focus on right now. Was that a difficult conversation? Yeah, certainly. I think 
Um, you know, especially the residency attendings, they're, they're also trying to publish as much as they can, and they rely on the students for, you know, a lot of the, the uh, legwork um, to a certain extent. And so I tried to do as much research as I could in the early step study period through the spring, but then as it got closer to dedicated, at, at a certain point, you really just kind of have to buckle down and, and talk to the residents and say, hey, I've tried to wrap up as much as I could. I've gotten it, you know, the project to this point. Um, but I need a you know a month off or so to get through dedicated. And the residents were there at one time too. They understand that step one is a is a huge step for you, um, and so they they were very understanding about the the whole process. Yeah, I mean you you don't want to blow your score on step one for maybe one or two more papers, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now tell us about where you are in the process currently, and and kind of what your thoughts are about I guess the interview trail and and decisions you made along the way that prepared you or maybe things you would have done differently? Yeah, so I mean, I, right now I'm in a little over halfway on the, along the interview trail, and it's honestly, it's been a blast. Um, you know, the last six months, even dating back to the summer uh, when sub I started, um, you know, it's really been a whirlwind, but it's really been a lot of fun. It's the first time that you're really dedicated to doing neurosurgery for an extended period of time, and so I think it really, you know, solidified my desire to pursue this career and um, you know, I've met a lot of great people, the sub-eyes um, that I rotated with over the summer, I'm still really good friends with, um, and now I'm meeting, a, you know, some of the same people and even new new friends along the way on the interview trail, and really getting to travel all over the country um, has been a lot of fun as well. Definitely expensive, um, and, you know, can be can be a little exhausting, but on the whole, it's been a, you know, really exceptional experience. For some students who might be listening who are getting ready to transition from third to fourth year, can you talk a little bit about how many programs people are visiting these days, uh, just kind of what to expect with all that travel? Yeah, so I think kind of backing up to sub-eyes now, it seems like more kids than I expected were doing like three away rotations in addition to their home. So wow. I would say that the, the average is still about two, but certainly more than I expected were have, that I've talked to, we did you know, three away rotations. Um, so something to consider if you have the, the time and the opportunities. Um, but I think as far as interview go, interviews go, um, application-wise, most people are applying to anywhere between 40 to 70, I want to say. Um, I haven't talked to too many kids on, the, on this overall specifics. Um, there were 113 programs, I think, this year, um, so about half. Um, a lot of that's going to be tailored, too, to what schools you're looking for and what caliber, app, um, what caliber um, applicant you are, and a lot of that comes down to having frank conversations with your mentors and the, the faculty at your home institution to kind of gauge where you're at. Um, I think that's an important part. Um, and then for interviews, I think most people are trying to go on about 15 interviews. Um, those that are couples matching are into the 20s. Um, that obviously yeah, makes course, things a little yeah. more difficult. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, if you look at the trend for the past few years, people have been doing more and more away rotations. I, I know someone my year who did four Wow. outside of his medical school um, and also more and more interviews just to try to you know increase those odds but I, I think over the past few years it's been approaching uh, the point of physical restraint you know <laughs> there's not not enough days on the calendar but people are still trying to max out it gets expensive yeah I think it's, it's several thousand dollars worth you know and it even staying in Airbnbs, some kids are trying to save some money there, but, you know, and flights can be really expensive. And a lot of the times you're booking flights, you know, no more than two weeks ahead of time because um, either interviews are coming, you get, you know, an invite and then the interviews a couple of weeks later, or you're trying to shuffle around programs and shuffle around days to try and maximize the, the programs you can go to. 
Um, so, it, yeah, it certainly can get, get expensive. Um, yeah, I think that's one of those areas where, as, as you mentioned a few times, having a, a good, frank conversation with an advisor you could trust can help you kind of tailor your application process so you don't just, you know, uh, shoot broadly for every program in the country and take every interview that comes up and you end up, you know, booking rooms and flights to 30 places across the country when you know you'll never make it. Uh, it's just a great way to increase the debt we all already come out of school with. So uh, kind of going into the process with open eyes can help alleviate some of that. Um, so now since we've kind of talked about the, the general approach to the different stages of, of a medical student's process towards applying into neurosurgery, why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the specific organized activities that you with the club at Miami have done um, maybe some of our listeners have similar programs at their medical schools. Uh, maybe they can take an idea and, and start something in their own program. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the most important um, activities that was started uh, during my time um, within our interest group was what's called Gray Matters. Um, and it was a weekly lecture series hosted by one of our fifth-year residents. And each week was a different neurosurgical topic. We covered from you know cranial to spine to pediatrics to neuroanatomy, basically anything neurosurgical related. Um, and a lot of it was at a much higher level than that would be expected of a medical student. But that was really the idea. It was to you know prepare third year students for sub eyes to get first and second years just interested in all the you know cool and crazy things neurosurgery has to offer. Um, and you know, as from a resident perspective, too, I think the mentorship aspect was something they really enjoyed, just getting to lecture the students for, you know, an hour or so on one, one evening. Um, and so I think that was something that was really instrumental in not only growing our club, but also in just growing our interest in neurosurgery and even growing my own knowledge base just by attending. Great. Well, Damien, it's been great to see you again. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Hopefully some of this information will help uh, our listeners across the country in medical school as they progress towards their own application into neurosurgery. Thanks. All right. Thank you for having me. Cheers.